Sam McGann was a guest on our eighth episode, and we're happy to welcome Sam back for our 40th episode. Welcome to the check. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, gentlemen. Welcome back. You are um, the Czech podcast family and restaurant family, so we're always happy to have you back. So thanks for being here. Always fun. Glad to be here. Speaking of the uh, of the restaurant family, are you actually still in the restaurant family? I'm a little confused by that. I'm always in the restaurant family. <laughs> well, tell me about the Blue Point. You're just jumping right in there, aren't you, Brady? Why not? That's, that's what's on everybody's <laughs> mind. That's what's on my mind. Well, we'll ask him in a second, but before we, we get to all that and get to the details, let Sam have a couple of minutes to collect his thoughts. But speaking of restaurant <laughs> family, um, so I'm a little somber, a little somber today. I just got back from a funeral, and um, it was from someone in in the restaurant world who meant a lot to me, and I'm sure he meant a lot to both of you he guys. He meant a lot to all of us. Yeah. He and, sure um, did. Um, Yale Still Ness- means a lot to all of us. Yeah. Yale, Yale Nesson passed away, and... Um, Yale Nesson, if you, if you don't know, he was the, the founder of Nesson Meats, which was a company in Norfolk that provided all our restaurants with meats. And, and he, he <laughs> supplied us with many, many years of, of jokes and fun and kindness. And he was just a really great man. And we're, we're going to miss him. Uh, Yale was always a, a great customer, a great advisor, a great friend, and a great supplier. Yeah. To everybody. And, and he was just, and, you know, everybody always says nice things about people after they pass. But I mean, for real, he was just so cool, so genuine. When I, I think I was early 20s when I first got to um, the States and had my interaction with him. And I would go down to his warehouse down there in Norfolk. And, and, he, and I worked for Frank Spapen at Le Chambord at the time. And he was just so kind. And he kind of took me around and showed me the ropes and I remember going into the office and it was it was something like out of Goodfellas you know where they're all sitting around the restaurant or outside the restaurant smoking cigars smoking cigars because yeah they used to smoke I don't know two or three cigars a day but you know there was it, it was like Tommy Two Times was there and, <laughs> and, and, and Bobby Goldwasser but Tommy Two Times Two Times Two Times two time. <laughs> and then there was you know Paul Paul Walsh Paul Forget About It Walsh and then there was you know everybody was down there and they were just so kind and and it was a cool place to be in. Those guys started early. I think they started their shift around 2 a.m. or something. So by the time I got there, yeah, they were they were on dinner at, at, at you pop in and see them at, at yeah. 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. They're all having dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> steak. Yeah, it's steak dinner. In, in the office. But uh yeah, he's he's gonna be missed. And he's I was just thinking last night, it's just a family thing. I fortunately got to go out for once and went out for dinner last night, Brady. Went to Luna Maya to see Great. Uh, yeah, see see the the young ladies there who we had on the podcast, Carla, and and Vivian, Vivian, and Vivian, and um, they were very hospitable, and their food is just delicious. You know, and, and they took good care of us, and it just makes you think that's part of restaurant family too. Restaurants taking care of each other, suppliers taking care care of each other, us taking care of each other. It's a it's a pretty cool thing that we do. I have something on that, but I want I want Sam to weigh in on on Yale because he just he's yeah. right over there. Yeah. I worked at a restaurant on Collie Avenue called Clark's back in 81, 82, 83. And that's when I first met Yale. And of course, he called on customers in person weekly and always brought product by for us to try. And those were the relationships that mattered and that still matter today. It's those personal interactions that you have with an individual that makes the difference in how you look at your business, how you 
buy for your business and uh, the connections that come with that. So, um, and of course, getting to know Bobby over time as well as a transition to him. So lots of fun memories going way, way back. Decades. Decades. And, uh, isn't that funny how quickly that just zips by? I mean, you you knew Yale 10 more years than I did. 40 yeah. years ago, yeah. I guess. Was about yeah. how long ago it's been. You, Brady, your experiences with Yale? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew Yale from when I was a, a child. I, I mean, he would come in to sell meat, and, and then he'd come in to eat it. Because <laughs> he knew it was good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I knew him as a as a bus boy. I knew him as a as a, like I said, a kid sitting on my mother's knee while she was ordering, uh, you know, whatever. Um, he was friends with my grandfather. He was friends with my uncle, and he was, I believe, a friend of mine. I mean, I I think of him as a friend. He's a generation or two beyond us, but always. Um, like you said, he's part of the family and always, always supportive and always just a great guy. And he will be missed. And he's got he leaves behind a great family with yeah, absolutely Denise and Denise Bobby, and Bobby. Bobby yeah, and and, and kids yeah yeah and, and grandkids now yeah great grandkids yeah it's and I mean I can't say enough good about Bobby either. You know it's a it's a great loss for all of us. Bobby's the best. I have a picture of me and Bobby. On my wall in the office. Um, I always look up to that picture when I'm going through a tough time, especially if I need supplies or something. I just look up and there's Bobby G on the wall. Well, let's raise a, a glass to Yale. You yeah, know? to Yale. We should probably raise a cigar, but, you know. but If we had one, we, we would. If we had a cigar, we'd do one right now. But, uh, of course, the, uh, the Czech, a podcast about restaurants, podcast headquarters, and studio world, world headquarters, it also doubles as my bookkeeper's office. So I don't think if we smoked half a dozen cigars in here <laughs> she'd be too happy with us <laughs> just stick with the wine so let's get back to our esteemed guest chef sam mcgann chef author philanthropist drinking buddy drinking buddy <laughs> musical expert after midnight yes <laughs> uh whiskey whiskey connoisseur and uh an expert beyond beyond yeah. anybody's knowledge that i know of yeah and ham and bacon aficionado. All right, so Sam. So, <laughs> and other things. <laughs> so tell us what's going on with you, Sam. What's what's this uh, new chapter in your life, and how has it come about? Curious. Curious is the word, I think. I, 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 I'm still curious of whatever it may be. But pretty much all things food and wine and restaurant related. Mm-hmm. So I'm still curious. Well, I'm still looking for a reliable dishwasher. So if you're that curious, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say he was curious about suds and soap and bubbles. <laughs> for those of you who don't know Sam again and our relationship with Sam, Sam is a, a chef of long and respectable lineage. Um, I think you cut your teeth over there at uh, at, at Duck Inn, right, Sam? Among others, yeah. Duck Inn was was the big one. Was was the big one. Yeah. yeah. Sam's Norfolk, born and raised, and uh, came up through restaurants in Virginia Beach, and then I think a Norfolk Academy alum. A Norfolk Academy alum. Yeah. Uh, Johnson and Wales alum. Uh-huh. Yep. And Duck Inn alum. Yeah. A then, trellis alum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 And then after cutting your teeth around here in Williamsburg, and uh, then you. Moved out to the Outer Banks, where you opened up your own restaurant with your business partner, uh, 
John, John Powers. John Powers. And it was the famous Blue Point. Yeah. Which is still there to this day. Real quick on that, I know for a fact that Sam's Sam had his hand firmly on the tiller. But over the years, he has taught uh, the current owners the way of those seas, and, and they're going to navigate it. I think he's got, uh, as, as far as I understand, the confidence level is through the roof of, of what they're going to do with that place, and they're going to they're gonna do a great job. Well, we certainly hope so, and we feel like that we've nurtured them, shall we say, uh, over the last 10 years to um, take the reins and keep the restaurant as it is or, or better for the next 30 years. They were coming into it about the same age as John and I were when we went to Duckett back in 89. And so um, it took care of us for th- over 32 years. And I, I really think that this family can take it for the next 32 years. And Sam and, uh, and Alvin and I have personal relationships or we're, we're friends. And I know he's extremely close with Alvin and close with me as well. But uh, Alvin and Sam are, are kind of thick as thieves, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of the same interests that's all you know i just remember sam you you used to have um ocean boulevard as well right we had ocean boulevard and we the, did and there was another restaurant you had it was like a sandwich thing uh good life was it a good life? place called the good life good Gourmet. Life? yeah at, is... at one point also in kill devil hills so you go way back on the outer banks as, as as well as you do at the beach sam sam is restaurant chef royalty that we have in our yeah. and you can't our forget crawdaddies that was a little bit before my time yeah down on the schooner motor, and that was uh, a springboard for me, working with, with Todd and, and Rick. Todd Jurek. And some great chefs. And Todd Jurek. Rick Maggard. Yeah. yeah. In 1988, 87-88. Right. A small restaurant family. But we don't talk about th- those cousins. We don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> More restaurant family, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was real quick, when I was thinking about the restaurant family and how the restaurant community See, we all kind of have like a, you might say, a healthy competition with each other, and that keeps us that keeps us good. Because if there was no competition, we would likely rest on our laurels and and not be as good as we are. But we're all, uh, well, most of us are, are good friends, and we're similar personalities, and we deal with similar problems, and we we all get together and have a drink, or, or um, some of us have. <laughs> have passed that drinking stage in our life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we get together and we um, and we share stories and advise advise each other. Now, is it competition yeah. or is it synergy? You know, it's if pe- people eat where they want to eat and it's it's never anything you can't get upset with a with a guest because they've decided to eat at Cobalt Grill and not Steinhilbers. It's no, where they want to eat. And it's, we know they're not gonna just, eat at Steinhilbers every day. So I think it's great if they eat at Cobalt one day, Steinhouse another day, Blue Point another day, Zuno's, Luna Maya, you know, and they hit, you know, they yeah. hit a little bit of us, you know, yeah. every once in a while. That's I, what I think, a good diner does. Yeah. Right. Right. They get around. And then spread around. the word. Yeah. 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 And that's what we all need right now, too, still. I, I think there's a sense of curiosity to me when we get together and talk, because I'm always interested in another opinion mm-hmm. and a philosophy. And an idea that worked for you that we may be able to, to use ourselves. And as operators or as partners in a restaurant, as well as chefs, as Alvin and I are, you know, there's a certain understanding, I think, about what we do every day. As you said, Brady, you know, we, we deal with the same issues, um, whether there be... It's hard to explain. Yeah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> whether it be, it's hard to explain. 
Sam, um, seems like you set the restaurant up for success with the, the new ownership and um, they work very closely with you over the years. And it, it, it would appear to me that they're going to continue with your recipes and your dishes and, and the menu pretty much the same as what it is now. What are some of the things that you hope that they maintain and keep, which obviously is part of your legacy, but what would you be upset about if they took out of there? Or what do you hope that they add, you know? Well, a little bit of both. First off, I, you know, we have built over the years, as most restaurants do, what we consider to be signature dishes. And from our perspective, they tend to happen on a seasonal basis. So I hope that they will, and our, and our guests always ask invariably, you know, a few weeks before, you know, when's oyster stew going to be on the menu or when you're going to bring back the sea, the she crab soup, the strawberry rhubarb cobbler with buttermilk ice cream in, in the spring. Those are some of the, the signatures that I hope, and there's so many more uh, that they will hold on to at least, at least as long as they feel like they stay relevant. And obviously menus change over time and, and even, signatures sometimes change. Hopefully they'll create their own new ones. And they're little things that I think the restaurant can do better. Uh, subtle, but important things. Social media, I think, is always important in how they present themselves. So I hope that they spend a lot of time keeping up with that and sending out a nice, clean message. The hospitality is a big part of what we've done. John was great at that. I mean, he was as comfortable as you could be with anybody that walked in the door. I think they have that too, but getting to know their, their guests, creating new relationships, and uh, we all know how important our reservation system is and keeping track of our guests and what's important to them and the building and the facility. Just keep it fresh, maintain it, even improve it. You know, uh, again, restaurant designs constantly changing and there are always new ways to freshen your space and I assume and hope that over time that being a younger partnership uh, they'll see some things that probably could use updating that always makes the guest appreciate something new and a little different when they walk in the door I'm looking forward to going there with you for dinner That'll be fun. Because you'll be relaxed now. You can, you know, you won't have to worry about watching the door, see who's coming in, or, you know, did, did that dish go out right? Or, you know, the things that we worry about when we sit down in our restaurant. He'll still be worried. It's uh, still his baby. It's, you're funny, it's funny you say that. There's a few times that I would go in, they had a special seat for me in the corner where my back was to the dining, was, was to the rest of the dining room. You couldn't now, see anything. So I, yeah. Uh, you know, I could I could hear the music and I could see the lighting to a certain degree, but the rest of it I was pretty blind to. The first thing I did do was keep the reservation that Cindy had for New Year's. And so we were happy to go back on New Year's Eve for the first time with some friends to enjoy the restaurant. And that was that was a lot of fun. Nice. But yeah, come see me and we'll go out to dinner. You got it. Or sit in the yard, watch the sunset with a cocktail. Probably could do both, right? Don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm there. We're on our way. <laughs> Absolutely. So your days have now changed, Sam, because you've gone on and sold your restaurant, and you don't have to deal with the day-to-day minutiae that Brady and I are still trudging through. 
what is in store for you now? I heard maybe some book writing. I hear you doing some restaurant consultation work. You're spending lots of time on the golf course. No, I just made that one up. <laughs> but tell us what, what's going on. Well, it's only been a couple of weeks, Alvin. How long does it feel? Uh, two, two months, if not two years already. <laughs> really? I'll take my time to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. The standard stuff trying to take better care of myself, get some exercise, do a little writing, do a little cooking at home, do a little consulting, all those things. I don't know where I'm going to just find, find the next place for me. Right now, it's really hard just to get out of the routine that I'm so used to. Yeah. I've always felt like that there's this bubble that we put ourselves in daily that we know so much about. And we have our routine and the calls we have to make and the decisions that have to happen, the product that we have to source, the staffing that we have to deal with. And we're really good at that, as difficult as it is sometimes when you don't have the answer that you, that you need. And I miss that already. You know, there would be nights when I would have a hard time getting to sleep, worrying about the next day's service or what we have in store in the restaurant and the only way that I could relieve myself of that is to get in there and walk in that back door and that normalcy of the staff and your familiar surroundings. And I'm going to have to get used to not being there and, and, and enjoying that, being lucky enough to have that bubble to stay in without the worries that come outside of it. Now I'm learning to deal with the real world. I still wake up in the middle of the night and think, with anxiety about a paper that's due. I would imagine it'd be kind of like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you know, like you in college yeah. or yeah. high school, or whatever, yeah. you got some project that you do and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't done that yet. I How, this- what am I going to do? I'm going to go to class tomorrow and not have it? Uh, uh, and, and you got this anxiety. And then, of course, we all have the restaurant dreams where whatever, there's a flood and you got a full house or whatever it is. <laughs> uh-huh. um, Did I leave the fryer on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely going to have some All the time. transition stuff. With us not being open for lunch now, like when I used to go to sleep and sleep for a couple hours and I would wake up and the immediate thing is, you know, okay, wake up, shower, out the door because you got to serve lunch in a couple hours. Now that we're not serving lunch, it's like, you know, wake up, shower. Oh, I can spend a little time with, <laughs> with my kid or I can, you know, listen to the news or, you know, I can go out into the garden and pick something and then go to work a little bit later. So it's... It changes. There's different transitions and different chapters, I guess. And I guess with this new COVID schedule that I have, it's made life a little different for the better, I think. So I'm rolling with the no lunch policy right now. Sam, tell me a little bit about restaurant consulting, what that means in your world. Is it like where you say, okay, here's a recipe and you show someone how to make it or is it more about designing a a kitchen for a new restaurant or is it about telling someone how to run a restaurant that doesn't know what is what is your consulting makeup there i don't have a lot of experience with this yet so i don't know if i have the right answers Uh, to me it's whatever knowledge and experience i've gained over the years as both being a chef and an owner that i can bring to the table I always feel like that I've looked after the needs of the kitchen more than I have the restaurant. It's always been my first priority, even though I am an owner as well. And I feel like a lot of times restaurants don't look at the responsibilities that the kitchen takes on, recognizing 
how much of that uh, is part of their revenue as a profit center and also as a cost center. You're 70% of the revenue, but you're also 70% of the cost. So I'm hoping that some of that experience that I've gained, I can look at that business model, look at that kitchen setup and see if I can't improve some systems, some organization. There is a famous chef who says that consistency creates greatness. And I believe that. A famous chef Thomas Keller said that, not Sam McGann. It, it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but you can look at that across the board of any food service operation, as high as the, the French Laundry in per se, or as, as uh, large in scope as a McDonald's, and anyone and all of us in between. And I think that's what Bill's longevity is, that understanding of what consistency means, which uh, I think we've all come to learn as, she- as chef and owners and operators that uh, have kept our, our business as successful for, for so many years. People get kind of discouraged by the monotony of, of maintenance. And they say that, you know, it's, it's boring doing the same thing over again. I find nothing boring about consistency. It's, it's, such, it's an everyday challenge. And to make the same plate sometimes out of different things that come in the back door or different seasons and whatever it is, it, it, there's nothing boring about it. It's, it's just always different. To be consistent, you have to be nimble and you have to be uh, adaptive to, to remain consistent, ironically. That, that terrible word of routine yeah. uh, that gets done every day, repetition that people get tired of. Uh, I agree with you 100%. If you can eliminate the variables that you deal with day in and day out and just do the job that you're good at and that chefs are good at, um, that's a that's a win right there. And setting up a system from the minute you walk in the door, knowing exactly how you're going to run your kitchen, and everybody's involved in that, that's the key, is to delegate some responsibility and, and build some pride in the in, in each individual and recognizing you know, how important they are and how much they, they can learn if you teach them. So the area of Duck itself and the Outer Banks, I know when you and John first got there, you just fell in love with the area and fell in love with the property where your restaurant was. Is it, is it much the same or is it changed? And was that the reason for you to maybe get out or is it just point in time in your life where opportunity came and you took it? Well, we sort of grew up with Duck. When we first went down there, I remember it was February of, of 89, and it was pretty barren, especially that time of the year. And I think it was kind of a, a hidden gem to a certain degree. I don't think people recognized the development that was happening down there. And over the years, we've sort of grown up together. You know, we, we had for 15 years a very small uh, spot there on, on the water. We did a remodel in, in 06 because the community was, well, we needed a bigger restaurant. It's just that simple. The summers were busier. The, even the off-seasons were busier. But from our perspective, I do think the last 20 months may have initiated this thought process a little sooner than later. And I do think that maybe we were... I always felt like it was fortunate if we could get out a little earlier than a little too late. And it seems like that's what's happened. If, if business had, things had main, maintained the same way we had been going uh, from 2019, 
we probably wouldn't be where we are today. I probably would still be in the restaurant enjoying the business and the experience just a little bit more than we have for the last 20 months. We all know what we've been through and how, how, how difficult it is. I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here where I am you know, today, 2022. So you've done the Jerry Seinfeld. You've, you've gotten out on the top. It's, I understand that it's been a tough 20 months, but, but you've gotten out with a, with a good business. And you're not, you, you didn't, although you've had your challenges, you didn't struggle. You've come out and, and, uh, and left know, the business in great left, shape left for the business in great else, shape. Else, it, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of people will have a business and they'll leave it to a family member or sell it. And it's kind of like, um, you give your child the, the family, uh, the family station wagon and the wheels are about to fall <laughs> off and that kind of thing. <laughs> right. But, but you had a nice, uh, you know, kind of a hot rod with a double barrel carburetor and Nice I, think, I think what Brady's trying to say is <laughs> it's going to be a seamless transition between you and the new owners. Thank, thank they, you, Alvin. Because <laughs> they've been there for so long and they've, you know, they, they've learned how to. to well, you've set them you. up for success and, and you've left on a high point and, and not a yeah. time where you're yeah. struggling and had yeah. to sell. Well, it was, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a decision you made and, and you yep. weren't, it wasn't forced. It was a nice time and a good opportunity. And, and somebody recently uh, another restaurant had sold recently and somebody said, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for them of selling the restaurant. And I said, why would you be sorry? <laughs> right. <laughs> selling a restaurant. It's like, uh, you know, the two happiest days in a person's life are the days they buy a boat and sell a boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same for a restaurant. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be where I, I am today. And I think we worked really hard. At least it was always important to me that I did leave the, the building in the best shape possible. It has value if you take care of it. And that was such an important part of my life was making sure that that physical plant was taken care of and the staff was taken care of so that when and if that situation came up, we did have something of value that somebody would want to take and, and make it their own. So we've been very fortunate. Brady, there's no doubt about it. Uh, when you know they closed the bridge um, in 2020, for, for about two and a half months. Once they reopened it, people came back to the Outer Banks, and um, we saw an influx of new residents in a way that you didn't see in other parts of the country, in, other, in, in urban areas. They came to the Outer Banks because of the, the fresh air and, and the water and the sand. All those factors have, have, been, have, have made us feel very fortunate. So when you travel, because I know you're avid traveling you you like to travel like i do and sometimes we're fortunate enough to travel together so we would go to restaurants and we see things and we're like oh well i'm i'm like i could do this and tweak it and do a little something like this and use it as a special or maybe it's a new menu item because it's a great idea you know now what will your outlook be on on that because you don't have the well i guess you do if you're consulting at somebody else's restaurant you can you can still do that or all of us uh, recognize the importance of, of traveling. And again, there's that sense of curiosity mm-hmm. and excitement when you taste something new or see an idea that you really think can be helpful to the, to the business. I, I'd like to, to pass that along to anybody that wants to listen. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's still f- really fun for me to um, enjoy the table, you know, whose ever table it is. And, when we're not eating at each other's table, uh, we're traveling looking for that table that can 
you know, give us that fun experience and, and some ideas possibly that we can use on our own. But I write things down. I take notes all the time. Um, I'm a legal pad nut, and I'll continue to do that in whatever way I enjoy it so much. Brady, you ever notice how uh, easy it is to go out for dinner with Sam? Because normally we'll, we'll go over the menu and we'll look, well, should I get this or should I get that? And when you're with Sam, what does Sam do? He orders everything. <laughs> I'll take one of everything. <laughs> he opens up a menu. I mean, yeah. not, uh, I hate to bring it as an again, but he could go into the cheesecake factory because they have like 500 oh, items. Yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> and he will want to try every damn thing on the menu. <laughs> Sometimes he's always great to eat with, but he's always bad to get the check with. You're like, damn it. <laughs> Although he's very generous and he's, he, he's no, always no. willing to. to but, uh, but if you I've got to put my money where my mouth is, don't I? <laughs> if you're splitting equal ways, it's difficult. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. Uh-huh. Sam, we touched on a lot of. Um, your lineage of many restaurants that you've successfully been involved with. And now that we've got the, the Blue Point as a, as a closed chapter, I'm curious to know what's the one piece of advice that you can kind of take from that whole experience and compress all of those years into, into one phrase that we can take to, that Alvin and I can take as, as a um, piece of advice believe in what the word quality means and and everything that you do uh, how you treat your staff how you take care of your physical plant um, the product that you purchase the way you handle your staff the way you uh, ex- what things you expect of, of yourself you know set the standard it, it, it all falls you know basically on us. We set a standard for ourselves, for our employees, for our customers. And that's, that's, a, that's a heavy burden to a certain degree. But at the same time, it's in your hands. And th- that's pretty cool. You can really make it what you want it to, to be. I also think there's, the last thing I'd say is there's ideal and there's actual. And, and, and the higher you reach for ideal, the higher you, you are actually. And never stop thinking that way. So there you go. It's my thought. Quality and don't compromise. But I think the actual, but, the but, last but thing is. But compromise is, is, is essential at the same time, just like a marriage. Right. It's like, uh, don't, don't let. Hold on now. All right. I think you heard it here yeah. first. Right. I think maybe the, the, it's don't let. Don't let perfect get in the way of great. Go ahead, pour some because we, 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 no, we're getting on to marriage now. We're going, we're going uh, well, to okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's y'all's department. <laughs> <laughs> well, never forget the importance of a partner as well, whether it be in business or whether it would be in in life. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. You know, you can't be but so selfish. You have to compromise. How long were you right? and John partners? Thirty-two and a half years. Well, we'd known each other, though, literally since high school hmm. and worked in, in two different restaurants. And he's, at, he still has a restaurant in it, Norfolk. He's, he's a current yeah. uh, co-owner, yep. I guess. Co- uh, co-owner, yep. yeah. Yep. Of what? the coach house in Norfolk yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's a lot more focused on that now. Yeah, this will give you more time yeah. to spend there. And 
I won't have to worry about him not being at the blue point anymore. <laughs> Alvin, do you know what time it is? It's time for the lightning round. Oh, boy. All right, Sam, you ready? This is the lightning round. This is where we ask you a couple questions, and lightning means that you have to answer it quickly. No uh, great soliloquy, just boom. Hit us with the answer. All right. First question is from me. Sam, favorite movie? One for Red October. Oh, just Sean Connery. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, your favorite meal? Roast chicken or a barbecue sandwich? Uh, You got to respect that. Yeah, simple, effective. Uh, Favorite beverage? The Boulevardier. Oh. Bourbon, Campari, sweet vermouth. Equal parts. So like a... With an orange. A Boulevardier is a, is, a, um, is a Manhattan. No, it's not no. a Manhattan. It's, it's a, a... I mean, it's a... Rye Negroni. It's a Negroni, yes. It's a Negroni, but using bourbon r- r- instead of... Well, no, te- rye. Technically rye. R- rye. rye. A Negroni is... is, is, uh, is gin. Gin. So it's, yeah. you replace the gin with, um, with, the rye, yeah. with, with whiskey. Okay. Technically rye. You're up B. Three words that you think best describe yourself. Loyal, dependable, simple. I'd agree with that. Okay. Simple works in, 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 in the most in the best possible way. Low maintenance. Low maintenance. There we go. <laughs> yeah. What's the best advice you ever received? Rest when you're ninety. Word. Word. Uh if you could be someone else for a day, who would it be? I guess I'd stay in the food field, maybe a sushi chef, hmm. someone that can break down fish into its perfect parts, something that I'll never be able to do. Never say never. Never say never. Never say never. <laughs> All right, I got one. What would be, other than hosting um, the Czech podcast, what would be a dream job for you? It's funny, I've, I've, I've thought about this. That doesn't mean that I've got an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Is it playing, I, I, playing with Bruce Springsteen? I could be a sound engineer for the E Street Band. Okay. Yeah, right. I think that would be a good one. All right, what else? Yeah. What, were you, what were you gonna say before I interrupted you? Sorry. Oh, something silly and boring, probably. <laughs> Traveling with Bruce would would be pretty ideal. Maybe he's a listener. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> He does his own well, shows. Because he hung out, you, well, does Alvin, yeah. Alvin, yeah. Alvin hung yeah. out with Bruce at yeah. one point. I, they're they're yeah. big buddies. Well, Don't you, you have should, a cell number? You should text him. Send him a link. <laughs> we had one, you got a photo with We need we, to post we a photo. We had one He's, night where we hung out together Don't in, you have a photo in, with in London. I do have a photo. Yeah, He's got the evidence. I know. I've seen it. Post a photo. It was great. We hung out at Claridge's bar. It was fun. He and Bruce are buddies. It was the night that they did a concert in Hyde Park, and he was playing with Paul McCartney. And then the city shut him down. There was like a noise ordinance. It was like 10 or 11 p.m. And they shut him down. And um, they came over to the bar where we happened to be um, having a couple of libations. And we all got to hang out together. It was fun. And it was the, the basketball coach. I think the guy Pat, from the- Pat Riley. Pat Riley. I think, yeah. yeah. I, saw, I remember the like, picture. Yeah. All right. Lucky I'm, dog. We're going to post that picture. So y'all can oh, yeah. yeah. What you got to do is Photoshop me in there with you. <laughs> yes. Good idea. All right. You got it. Well, Sam, it's been great having you on the podcast once again on our 40th. This is, you can't call it 40th anniversary, but it's 40th, 40th episode. 40th, 40th episode. 40th episode. 
and um, we appreciate you being here. We wish you all the, the luck in the future with whatever it is that you're, you're going to do. Well, congratulations on, on 40 shows. I hope you invite me back. I think they're 32 shows later. Uh, yeah, that's the number 72 now is where I'm, when, when I'm due for a, re, a <laughs> return right, we'll visit. Mind, yeah. And um, thanks for having me. Let's get together off the air here soon. You got we're, it. We're overdue. Looking forward to it. Sam, thank you very much for joining us once again on The Check. Well, I'm Alvin. I'm Brady. And this is The, the Check. Check.